Shabbat Shalom, Dave Boker Tov. I'm Rabbi Kwame David Hart, the Beth Elohim Messianic Jewish Synagogue in Inverness, Florida, bringing you commentary on today's Parashat. And this message will be available on our podcast through Apple Music, Pandora, Amazon Music, and Spotify to start. If you have any questions or comments concerning this uh, teaching or any others, you can make comment under the Ask the Rabbi link at our website, rabdavis.org. So with that, let us make commentary on Kitisa, when you take. This is part of show number 21. This is Shmon, Exodus 30, 11 through 34, 35. So there are four main themes in this week's parasha that I plan to address. First one is personal accountability. Number two is ascension to God. Number three is total separation for God's service. And number four is God's commanded festival. These are things that separate us from Christianity and any other peoples on earth, by the way. The first subject is found in the account of the golden calf, and the narrative tells us that Moshe was communing with God at his instruction to receive all the instructions concerning the incense for anointing the items to be used in the tabernacle and for anointing Aharon and his sons exclusively, and the prohibition for using it for any other reason, including anointing a person's body, is found in Exodus 31-33. You go to Israel, you'll see all of the oils that were used sold in little separate bottles, uh, nice little stands, but you cannot mix them. Right? This is the reason the separate oils may be sold as a collection, as I said, but not combined. Then there are further instructions given for the incense, and the importance, again, of observing Shabbat. Shabbat is a time of rest. Moshe is given the two tablets of the testimony written by the finger of God. Written in stone, by the way. So anybody who says uh, what we do isn't written in stone, they don't know the story. There are those who believe no matter what we call him, God is the same for everyone. And that's not true. If this were the case, everyone would believe the same rules apply to all, and those who profess to love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would not be trying to annihilate those who follow him. Now, the God of other religions is not the same as the God of Israel. During this time of Moshe's absence, Aharon was in charge down below. And the old cliche about absence makes the heart grow fonder does not apply to the events that were about to take place. The once unified Israel became restless and decided that Moshe was taking too long to come down from the mountain. Instant gratification, even then. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, as, as the politics get involved in healthcare, uh, this week has been really, really bad for some reason. Uh, patients are leaving even after 20 minute waits. You know, and there's nothing I can do about that because we're under the government guidelines for providing care. So it's very tough. This is a perfect illustration of the animalistic human nature of self-gratification. I want, you owe it to me, give it to me now. This has not changed. It's a curiosity to wonder who started the fire in their patients. Well, we know, really. Although the Torah does not tell us, I predict it was someone who wanted a leadership position and was jealous of Moshe. Watch what's happening with the Ukraine and Russia. He wants more land. He wants possessions. Nothing that we say is going to make any difference. 
This is prophecy being fulfilled. And people are surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. But it's darn interesting to see how it's happening. The people, and I'm talking about over a million people, started moving in on the Haram and demanding a physical replacement for worship. Known in Exodus 32.1, the people wanted gods to go ahead of them. And how quickly we run back to Egypt. We do that in our everyday lives. We are a people above all of this. We should be. We cannot cop human nature as an acceptable excuse to sin. We cannot. Because he shows us the way. We need to read it, internalize it, and live it. Instead of Aharon seeking guidance from God on this matter, and he didn't, he quickly succumbs to the pressure, and as the people donate all of their gold. And notice it says the people. In rabbinic Judaism, they say it was the men. Well, it was the people. Otherwise, it would have said the men. All right, so the women were just as guilty. The Orthodox brethren maintained that women were not part of this, giving us the privilege of lighting Shabbat candles. Well, Shabbat candle lighting is not a Torah command. If you don't know that by now, you know, you're learning it now. It's not. It's a tradition. But it's a nice one. It's not against Torah. It's a way for us to separate the mundane from the holy. Why don't do dishes on Shabbat? It's, just, it's not a big work, but it's still work. It's mundane. And I separate it. And make it wait until sunset. Aharon threw this into the fire, all of this gold, and it melted down, and then he made it into the shape of a golden calf. And here we go again, pointing the finger. Look, God, he threw it in. What? There it is, the calf. I don't think so. What Will was saying, I mean, it didn't happen that way. You know, it didn't just pop out. We have to take personal accountability for what we do. And if we don't, he will make sure we're reminded when we stand in front of him. I would rather suffer punishment here than there. The people proclaimed this calf as their God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And then adding fuel to the fire, Aharon built an altar in front of it and proclaimed a feast for Adonai. Then the people made offerings and celebrated. Where do we see all this stuff today? All of these celebrations that are secular. I mean, did you know? Do you really know? Do you really know the origin of Alabama? Where did it start? Well, it started even before the Catholic Church, all right, and St. Valentine. There used to be priests who would go around. Uh, I can't say that word. Um, they would slap women with goat skin or dog skin with blood on it to make them more fertile. And then it evolved into some women who would put their names in an urn, and the guys would pick their names out of the urn, and then they would spend time with them for a while. This is where it started. And then it went on from there with the Catholic in the martyrdom of, of St. Valentine. So when you celebrate, think about it. <laughs> I mean, show your love to your spouse or your loved one every day. You know, you don't need a piece of chocolate that's going to add pounds and cause you to become diabetic. Or flowers are going to flip off in a week or so. You know, find a plant or something like that. Anyway, we need to understand what these traditions are coming from. Now, Orthodox Judaism has a lot of traditions too. All right, some of them conflict with Torah, and I don't advocate them, but some of them don't. You know, so it's always nice to look into this. 
So in traditional Judaism, Aharon's actions are rationalized, minimized, and justified this way. Traditional Jewish teachers say that Aharon acted in much the same way as a physician. He perceived the deeper need for the people to remain unified, and by collecting their gold as a group, they were made to feel a communal cohesiveness. Similarly, a holistic healthcare provider seeks to treat the root cause of the problem and prescribes accordingly. Traditional Jews further justify Aharon's behavior by using the fact that God chose Aharon and his sons to assume the priestly role as a reward for his insight. This does not make sense, and it is not true. We must be realistic and call sin as it is. It's sin. Aharon was not strong enough to stand up to the people because he did not seek the strength and the wisdom from above in handling the situation. Do we have prayers, honest supplications of God that aren't answered? Well, the first question should be, am I following God's Torah to the best of my ability? The second question should be, am I asking of him? Am I asking him? God, if it be thy will, then this. Not God, here's number one. God, here's number two. And oh God, you all have been serving here. Here's number three. You know, add a little sparkle to the car that I'm asking you for. You know, these kinds of things that people do. People do. So we need to get it right. We need to get it straight and realize who God is. He acted on his own fear and whatever other motives he had at the time, and he sinned. He was as guilty, if not more so, than the people. Because he was in a leadership position, clergy, people who lead people, secular teachers, nurses, doctors, anybody who does something to provide a service, a teaching to other people, is held to a higher level of responsibility. So we cannot take these positions lightly. Did we not learn in our last parasha that the great responsibility that comes with the position of a calling? When Moshe confronted him about the incident, he did what we all do at times. We blame somebody else. And that's what he did. The point is that God expects us to take personal responsibility for our actions. If you don't want the problem, you don't want a penalty, you don't want things that can go awry, don't initiate something that's going to cause a potential problem. I submit this is one of the reasons God took two of Ahabon's sons later because they wanted to worship him in their own way and not the way God prescribed. And that was in addition to choosing their own time to worship him. God's plans and instructions for our lives are not negotiable. We're commanded to neither add to nor subtract from his Torah. And did you know in traditional Judaism that the prohibition against wearing the, the um, tefillin at night is, or the tallit is because you might go to sleep and that's a, against the law according to Jewish tradition. Really? Because of this rebellion, God tells Moshe that those who sinned against him will be blotted out of my book. The people were struck with a plague and future punishment was on the way. And as we go through this, you will see that first generation did not make it. They did not make it. Now, if they didn't make it, except for Yehoshua and Caleb, right? Those under the age of accountability. What makes us think that now we can give a deathbed confession and be okay if we do that right? 
Yeah. God also made it clear that he would send an angel to go ahead of the people and that he would not go with them. Note that in the midst of God's extreme anger, he still keeps his covenant with Abraham and provides protection for the people as they continue their wilderness experience. He does that for us too. We are living in a very, very, very special time, a very challenging time. It's going to be harder for you to shine your light on a day-to-day -day basis, especially when gas is going up, food is going, everything is going up. Do you let the people in the stores hear you say, okay, complain about it? Or do they hear you say, okay, God, I've got, I've got the funds to pay for this. You know? Or maybe you're in the produce section and you want guavas and all you can afford is a couple oranges. Well, I'm going to forgo this because it costs so much and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just choose this. You know? We don't really need most of what we think we need. I saw a sign on the news this morning and they were talking about housing and how it's getting out of range for a lot of people. And it is. Um, it's ridiculous what's happening there. But this person was carrying a sign saying, housing is a right. Is that true? No. How do you know it's not true? How do you know? What did he say? Yes. The Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. That's how you know. You can know. Yes, it's nice. I thank God we have a home. I thank God that you guys have your home. But it's not a promise that we have that. So we have to separate what we think is right and what really is a right according to God's Torah. So this brings us to ascension to God. Chapter 33 addresses the continual process of ascending to God. Although he is so angry with the Israelites that he withdraws himself and sends an angel to go ahead of them, at Moshe's consistent pleading on behalf of the people, God relents and agrees to send his presence to accompany them. Look how humble at this point that Moshe is. If you're not going to forgive him, take my name out of the book. I don't think I could ever say that. I don't. We see a glimpse of his unselfishness and his concern for God's people. He pleads on their behalf. He cannot bear to be banished from fellowship with God to the point that he asks God to blot his name from the book if he will not forgive the people. And then he asks God, he beseeches God, not to make the people go on without the fellowship with God. And this chapter addresses not only the ascension process of Israel, but the personal process of ascending to God through the life of Moshe and our lives. How easy it would be for Moshe to just agree with God that a bunch of stiff-necked people, rebellious people, let God destroy them. Yet he offered himself as a sacrifice if God would not forgive the people. We see the same humility and repentant behavior, repentant behavior of David as he placed his hands upon the ark, knowing that God could have killed him at any moment for the sin of murder and adultery. Yet God chose to punish David by taking the life of his first son. That's in 2 Samuel. And, by not, and also by denying him the privilege of building the temple. The Kabbalah teaches that we must never underestimate the infinite results of our actions. You'll have things come at you years from now that can be traced back to something you do today. It's incredible. It's very scary. So we have to be very penitent. We have to be very receptive and think about what we what we think and do and say. 
because it will come back. And God addresses this in Exodus 34, 5, and 7. And then we go into total separation to God. If we look at Exodus 34, 5, and 6, it says, Adonai descended in the cloud, stood with him there, and pronounced the name of Adonai. Adonai passed before him and proclaimed, yad heh vah You don't see a J. You don't see a W. Because those don't exist in Hebrew. Okay? This scripture clearly describes the correct Hebrew letters, but we do not know the correct pronunciation because there's no vowels. Right? It's a yad, a he, a vav, a he. And when you transliterate this Paleo Hebrew, the Tetragrammaton, you get hand, behold, nail, behold. Yeshua is right there in the name. And when you split that name in half, yad, he, that's male, vav, he, female. So you have this grace and law in the name of God. That is absolutely incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. So moving on, we get to the subject of the ramifications of our actions according to God's economy. Adonai is God, merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in grace, well, grace says, and truth, law, showing grace to the thousandth generation for giving offenses, crimes, and sins. Yet, now we're getting to the law part, not exonerating the guilty, but causing the negative effects of the parents' offenses to be experienced by their children and grandchildren, and even by the third and fourth generations. This statement by God is tempered with Exodus 33:19 that says, I show favor to whomever I will, and I display mercy to whomever I will. We see people who are just, be nice, because I'm being recorded, rascals, okay? Rascal people. All right, and sometimes in our my heart, one you know, that one God, but He will show mercy to whomever He will. How many times has He shown you mercy when you don't deserve it? How many times has He shown you mercy when you don't deserve it? We don't deserve anything. I hate it when people tell me, "Oh, you know, congratulations on being a doctor. You deserve it." I don't deserve anything to death like the rest of us. It's by God's mercy and His will to accomplish more for him that he gave me that route too. The point is that God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, to whomever he wants. <coughs> Who knows? Some of those rascals may come to him in the end. We don't know. He's outside time and he is the high commander. If we make the effort and pause to consider the ramifications of our words and actions before we execute them, and make it a habit to do this, I believe, as do the Kabbalists, that our speech and actions will demonstrate our love for God and His Torah more consistently and exert an influence beyond our comprehension. Living our life with careful thought can certainly enhance our ascent in our relationship to God and our commitment to total separation from His service addressed in this parasha. He makes it very clear also, we didn't get to that paragraph, he is a jealous God. He does not want our attention, our love, and our allegiance divided for anybody. And did you notice the Levites went and they killed people in their own family, right? Their kinsmen. We are called to do that if it were necessary. Remember what he says, Yeshua said, you know, those who put their their family members essentially said this, 
um, before me will not make it. I come as a sword, not to bring peace. Dividing, you know, daughter-in-law against mother, father against son, and all of these things. He, he says that more than once. We have to be able to give up the traditions of our family as enjoyable as they may be. Stop celebrating Christmas. Stop celebrating Easter. Those horribly pagan things, traditions, and get to the business of following God and his festivals. We are not to assimilate in any way with those who have no interest in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or his Torah. He has to come first. And then we finally arrive at the subject of these festivals. I don't like to call them that when I'm talking to somebody about it because they think parties, you know, and it's not like that. It's not parties. I like to use designated times because that's, that's pretty safe. You know, they can't misconstrue that. And if you doubt this, you know, observance is a large part of our separateness from the world. If you doubt it, just observe what happens when you tell people. When they say, what are you doing for Easter? What are you doing for Christmas? And you tell them that you don't celebrate these days. This is another example that people who profess to love God do not all love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My experience indicates that they either think you're conceited and think you're better than they are in some respect, or they think you're some kind of Christ-killing Jew and don't believe that the laws of God that they were nailed to the cross. Christians teach that. Christian clergy teaches the law was nailed to the cross, and it was not. If so, where do you read about God eating shrimp? Where do you eat about him eating pork? When he casts the demons into pigs, why would he do that if they were clean animals? They don't use this language. God doesn't mention words. He says, write these words down because they are the terms of the covenant I have made with you and with Israel. That's in Exodus 34, 27. In Exodus 34, 18 through 26, this is just one place. God commands observance of Pesach. Shabbat again is listed. Redemption of the firstborn, born Shavuot and Sukkot. He demands the best first fruits of our bounty to be brought to his house. When some people go to the churches or sitting up, they might take what's left over. Well, you know, we're not going to eat this, or you know, you pick out all the best. I'll take it to the synagogue. You know, to the rest of the people. That's not a good attitude, and it's not honored. And hopefully, if people do that, they'll take home what they brought. Because it wasn't a good heart. He demands compassion. It's enough for us to tell people that the reason we don't celebrate the aforementioned holidays is because God forbids it. If you're afforded the opportunity to expand your answer, you need to be armed with the truth of Torah and share it with compassion and constraint. Remember, you might never know what far-reaching effects your words and actions have on those with whom you have contact and you may never see these individuals again. Our Hashirah in 1 Kings. Eliyahu's actions at Mount Carmel re reflect those taken by Moshe in this Kaddishah. Just as Moshe laid down the line and made the people choose between standing up for Adonai and worshiping the golden calf, so Eliyahu stood alone and challenged the people to decide between Adonai and Baal. Just as God required those who said they were for him, Eliyahu's, to kill their friends, family, and neighbors who chose to deny God as a sign of their allegiance and consecration to his service, so the prophets of all were killed. 
We must make these choices daily in one situation or another. People will have to make this choice in the future, either taking or rejecting the mark of the beast described in Revelation. We do not know, and I say this every week because somebody asks me every week, what's the mark of the beast? That vaccine's the mark of the beast. No, it's not. But it's a prelude to the venue for doing such things. Just as the Torah, when you look at the Hebrew, the sign on your head is talking about Torah. It's a forehead sign. Okay, between your eyes, the forehead, and a sign on your hand. Well, the mark of the beast is going to be an, uh, a mark of, of the beast that is on the head or on the hand or both. I don't know. The Torah doesn't say that. But who cares if it's on your forehead, on your hiney, or on your hand? It's not taking it that's important. You will know, we will know, when the mark of the beast, if we're alive at that time, is offered to us. God help your children and grandchildren, because I think they're going to see it if we don't. It, it can't go on much longer. We're seeing China and Russia coming together, just as the, the Torah says. Right? So when that mark of the beast is presented, you will know. And if you're alive when it's presented, you have to trust God to either take you or preserve you. Are you 144,000? One of those 144,000, you'll be sealed. Right? But you will always be blessed for not taking the mark of the beast. The price of following God may be larger. But physical death is temporary. We need to rise above that belief that this life is reality and focus on our purpose to glorify God and make his name known. That may mean doing a job all your life, but you really don't like if you're doing it well, he's led you to it. He's providing for your family. Through it, stick with it. But I'll tell you what, when you get into uh, sync with God's will, your heart, your heart will go along with it eventually. You may not be in what you want to do right now, but God will lead you to that point. Mine's Torah teaching and, and research, biblical research. Somebody else's is something, maybe something else. But when you get in sync with God's will, you are so happy. You don't want you don't want to break from it. You just don't. You want to just keep doing it all the time. You know? And that's one of my prayers for you. Anyone that follows God and is learning about God in the Torah, that God will lighten your path and aim you right down the path to his will and give you the heart's desire to love that. You need to rise above the belief that this life is reality because it isn't. We have a race to run, a prize for which we must strive to win, and a father who wants to spend eternity with him and not the adversary. This race is hard. The gate is narrow. It says so. But the choice is ours. Torah or torment. Our great Kaddish God of Acts, in this context of the scripture places Stephen, who was full of grace and power, in the midst of members of the synagogue of the freed slaves, that's in Acts 6. And it was comprised of Greek-speaking Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and people from Cilicia, and the province of Asia. The Greek syntax suggests that the two aforementioned groups accused him of blasphemy against Moshe and God, the holy place and the Torah. This was a pure smear campaign. Our discussion picks up where Stephen strongly admonishes his accusers and defends Yeshua and his faith with such eloquence 
as he recounts the history of Israel and the constant rebellion throughout their sojourn through time. He rightly accuses them of idolatry and rebellion, of having the Torah but not following it, of rejecting Yeshua, which they do to this day. His message and his Talmudim, just as the Israelites in our Padashah rebelled against and even rejected Moshe. God is not done with Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be persecuted again for these very reasons. Finally, these rebellious, self-righteous accusers stoned True to his faith, he calls on the name of Yeshua to receive his spirit and forgive his accusers. The final act resounds that of Yeshua himself as he hung on the execution stake. This is the longest recorded speech in the book of Acts, and it testifies to the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, in the life of those who love Yahweh Yeshua and the Torah. Strength and power, never forget this, strength and power are given to those who carry the testimony of Yeshua and guard the commands of Hashem, and God will never leave those who love Him. You can bank on that. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.